All right. Welcome back once again, everybody. I'm Don Seifert. It's the Dr. Tree Fruit and Don podcast. This is Friday, May 5th. I'm on here with Dr. Tree Fruit, Dr. Carrie Peters. Say hi, Carrie. Hello. Uh, Dr. Greg Krawcheck. Say hi, Greg. Hello, everyone. And Dr. Jim Shoup. Say hi, Jim. Hi. All right. So it's Friday, May 5th. You guys all got done the spring orchard meetings. Do you have more next week? Yes. So we have three more meetings next week. We on Tuesday, uh, May 9th, we are going to be in the Bedford area. So we're going to be at Boyer's Orchards in New Paris, Pennsylvania. Um, Then on Wednesday, we're going to be in Western PA in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania at Apple Castle. And then on Thursday, uh, the very last meeting, uh, which is that is May 11th, we are going to be in Northeast PA in Northwestern. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Northeast PA uh, in Erie County. And that's going to be at the Birch Country Farm Market. And that's a noon meeting. So the, the meetings on Tuesday and Wednesday are evening meetings at six. And then it's a noon meeting for Erie County. There you go. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to come on here this morning uh, after you had a meeting last night. Um, I think the big, uh, the thing that folks, or we really want to discuss with folks this morning is, is Jim, your update on thinning, because I know we talked about it at my meeting, um, but things are really going to start rolling here. Yes. You know, I really like March, Don. March is one of my favorite months, working in a sweatshirt in the orchard. But March is, it should be over now. Um, May is, May has had its fling with March and, and uh, it looks like uh, we're gradually going to return to more seasonable weather here over the next weekend. Um, and uh, that's a good thing because particularly in the, the southernmost counties of Pennsylvania, we, we have some chemical thinning to be done that will really uh, be much more effective uh, with more seasonable temperatures. So just to remind folks, uh, you know, take this time to assess initial fruit set at your location. Uh, it's particularly important this season. And remember that growing fruit is setting fruit. If it's growing, it's uh, planning to stay. You know, despite the cold that we've experienced uh, in, in uh, late April and, and uh, early May, uh, many orchards do have excessive fruit set and still need to be thinned. Um, even in some of the orchards where there was some frost damage, when you look at what's left, it's uh, it's still uh, it's still an excessive fruit set. Um, you know, eastern and western Pennsylvania last year had reduced fruit crops, and and uh, they have come back with a strong bloom. But it was a what we typically call a green bloom. In other words, there was plenty of leaf area underneath the the blossoms to, and it looks like it's going to support. Uh, those setting fruit, the trees are going to support that setting fruit. The initial set looks very strong in in 2023 everywhere I've been. Um, There has not yet been an opportunity to to chemically thin effectively. It's just been too cold for chemical thinners to work. Um, And if we can get to a a window of time with uh, several days after uh, thinning application with daytime highs in the 70s, uh, that uh, kind of an opportunity should be uh, coming along with the return to warmer weather forecasted for this uh, this coming weekend. So uh, 
the traditional post bloom window for using our NAA and 6BA carbaryl tank mixes uh, runs from a fruit diameter of seven millimeter up to 17 millimeter. So far, the fruit have grown slowly in this cold weather, but they did grow. Uh, in Biglerville, uh, apples went from uh, gala apples went from about three grew about three millimeters this week. And uh, an ass of uh, today, Friday, May 5th, the uh, fruit diameter averages about 9.5 millimeters. During that same time, Honeycrisp grew about three and a half millimeters and now average about 10.9 millimeters. So now that the uh, weather forecast uh, shows that uh, favorable temperatures are coming up, uh, decisions need to be made and thinners should be applied in Southern Pennsylvania uh, this weekend and, and early next week. So my advice would be to target thinner sprays within a window with daytime highs in the 70s and a mild carbon deficit, uh, as you can uh, see on NUA. If you can get it uh, done during that time, uh, that's ideal. Monday and Tuesday, May 8th and May 9th, uh, look like a good opportunity, maybe the first good opportunity. Uh, if the daytime highs are marginal, your best options would be to go with an NAA carbaryl tank mix. Both of those chemistries have better activity in cool weather as compared to sprays containing 6BA. However, next week we do have some temperatures in the 70s and uh, 6BA type thinners, Excellus 9.5 and, and Maxell, uh, will be effective uh, in those kinds of temperatures. Um, the carbon the carbohydrate thinning model on NUA uh, is a good tool to help with uh, timing your thinning sprays. And uh, uh, often uh, you see a recommendation there when uh, conditions are a little suboptimal that it will recommend you increase the chemical thinning rate by 30% or something like that. Um, there is an alternative to that. And, and uh, so, so long as you're not uh, applying CAPTAN already, um, an alternative technique to spice up a thinner application would be to thin at your regular rate of chemistries, but add a quart of horticultural spray oil per 100 gallons of finished spray mix. Um, and that is another effective way and sometimes cost-effective way as well to get more efficacy from a chemical thinner mix uh, instead of increasing the rates. Well, that's what I have. I wish everybody good luck. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. I'm sure folks will really appreciate that because like I said, I know after the meetings the other night, folks have it on their mind. So Greg, if you we want to talk about where insects are at and where they'll be, I guess, in the next week. Yeah. It's well, Jim already mentioned the March is over. I would say that the bloom is over too. And if I would like to say everything in one sentence, I would say, doesn't matter if you did one or two petal fall application, now it's a time to do a petal fall application of insecticide. Um, to elaborate a little bit more on it, uh, the cold weather we had basically slowed down the insects However, this weather did not kill any insect or influence that there will be less or more of them. We basically what happened is that insects who which are normally developing 
during the bloom or after the bloom, the, the pest complex that we need to control at petal fall is still in the orchard and it will be in the orchard for quite a while. Uh, what I meant by this is the re-emerging pest that we didn't have for a while, but now it's becoming more and more important in basically every single region of Pennsylvania, this is plum curculio. I mean, a few years ago, we did not even talk about plum curculio other than going to meetings in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh area. Right now, everywhere, the whole Pennsylvania is under what seemed to be much increased presence of this insect. Uh, the important part, how to manage curculio is to understand its biology. And biology is relatively simple. We have one generation, it's overwinter as adults. In the spring, usually during the bloom and after, it keeps moving to the orchard. And if the fruit are there, adults are feeding on fruit and depositing eggs. And apples and peaches are equally affected. And apples mean also pears, and peaches also mean the whole group of the stone fruit. Actually, also blueberry can be affected by this insect, but that's a different, different story. The point is, the cold weather slowed down the feeding. The cold weather prevented the beginning of oviposition, but the weather we see in the forecast for the next seven, 10 days, seems like a perfect weather for plum curculio to actually do what they normally do. Feed and damage the fruit. Uh, that's why I said at the beginning, we basically have to do another petal fall spray, which supposed to control plum curculio that is already in the orchard. And then, continue monitoring plum curculio and for potentially another four, maybe even six weeks. Everything is weather dependent. One way, one reason why I'm stressing out this longer period that curculio has to be controlled in the orchard is the Cornell model is saying this 308 degree days after the petal fall. And those degree days are calculated on the same base as for codling moth. They are calculated at 50 Fahrenheit. Uh, the last week, we probably accumulate the grand total of maybe five, maybe eight degree days. So we still have about, you know, 290 plus to go. And depends how warm it will get. It might take two, four, maybe even six weeks that we have to be aware of potential curculio presence and then potential of causing injury. Assail, Avant, Imidan are the options to control. Each one of them, none of them is perfect, but each one of them should help. One thing to remember is that because of the moisture we have, because of the temperature, 
the fruit will start growing much faster than they did in the last 10 days. Uh, the insecticides are not stretching on the fruit. So repeated application might be necessary when uh, curculio are present. There is a trap that you can monitor curculio, which probably will be too late to start now, but to remember something for next year. And we have those traps in our orchards here at FREC, and we actually are catching curculio in those traps. So that's a good indicator. It's, it won't prevent the injury, but it will tell you that they are still active and can cause the damage. The reason I'm stressing curculio is that when you go after curculio, you also will be controlling oriental fruit moth. We are at about 50% egg hatch right now for oriental fruit moth. And if you use a sale, you also will go after whatever rosy apple aphids are there, or maybe green peach aphids on peaches. And you need to control those pests, especially if you have a history in your orchards that they were important. Saying this about doing now, maybe the repeated petal fall spray of insecticides, you don't need another Agrimec, by the way, okay? The one that you already used, it was enough. But talking about it, we still don't have the biofix for codling moth or tufted apple bud moth. I, um, I think I can bet that the biofix will happen over this weekend. And then the first timing to control codling moth after the biofix is at 250 degree days, which probably will take another two weeks. So one thing to remember that the normal so-called cover sprays that we used to do, you know, the petal fold, then two weeks later, first cover, then two weeks later, second cover, with the first cover to control codling moth and the second cover to control codling moth and tufted, right now will have to be switched. And we don't need to control codling moth at least, at least for another two weeks, which will take us into kind of a second or maybe even delay second cover timing. And tufted or oblique depends where we are with this. So the important message right now is even if we might be long gone from the bloom, this is the time to repeat the petal fall spray and then get ready in about two, maybe three weeks, it's weather depending, for the first timing to control codling moth. And hopefully we can uh, you know, continue this uh, podcast and you know, provide more information as we see that things are developing in the orchard. But this is the most important pieces from me at the moment. Uh, we can talk about other pests. However, we can also cover them later. So that's all. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Folks will get their updates. No, we're looking forward to it. So yeah, thank you, Dan. Thank you, yeah. Ken. Dr. Peter. Okay. Okay. So um, just a brief update. So first, just let's talk about fire blight. Uh, and and whether or not there has there is a risk or there isn't a risk based on the amount of bloom out there, because riding around Adams County, trees are all over the place, and Rome is definitely that's the tree that's blooming right now with some significant amount of blossoms. So just as a reminder, just because the blooms are open doesn't automatically mean there's a fire blight risk. 
you have temperature plays a really huge role in the fire blight risk. So let's review the four main criteria that factors into that risk for fire blight infection. Number one, the flowers have to be open and the petals have to be intact. Once the flowers are in petal fall, that's not an issue. Fire blight's not an issue. You need an accumulation of at least 198 degree hours above 65 degrees. Have we been above 65 degrees in the last two weeks? Not really. <laughs> Maybe one day um, in some parts for like an hour. Uh, but that's basically what's driving the risk low is because of the lack of degree hours that have not been accumulated. Uh, you need a wedding event um, such as dew or rain, and then finally an average daily temperature of 60 degrees. And we have not had an average daily temperature of 60 degrees. So right now, as far as the fire blight risk for the last two weeks, and really probably through the weekend, it's still reasonably low. Because I got an email from a grower yet late yesterday asking kind of, they were, weren't sure what to do about a strep spray right now because they have some bloom, they're concerned. But the thing is, is that for their area, they, they aren't in risk for fire blight. So, but, but there's a big but here. Uh, if you are still in bloom by the end of next week, then I would put on a streptomycin spray, another streptomycin spray next week, or oxytetracycline, one of the two antibiotics. So looking at the long range forecast right now, um, the temperature is going to be in the mid 70s from like Thursday on, the lows are gonna be in the mid 50s. So this is going to start the degree hour accumulation. So if you, wherever you are in the state with bloom, Next week, late next week, when the temps get into the 70s during the day, low 50s, mid 50s at night, this is going to start increasing your risk. So my recommendation is I would have a strep spray on late next week if you still have bloom or, or oxytetracycline. Um, so to clean up whatever's in the flowers out there. Uh, so that is, that's the take-home message for the blossom blight phase for fire blight. What you can do now is in preparation for the future is you could put on prohexadione calcium to limit any potential shoot blight that may come along. So you can apply Apogee or Kudos. You can do a low rate of like a two to four ounces on dwarf trees that may have not filled in their tree spacing, much higher rate, six to 12 ounces to the acre for your bigger trees or trees that may have already filled, dwarf trees that may have already filled up their tree space, may have had a history of fire blight, but definitely the semi-dwarf trees. Um, so because remember, it takes 10 to 14 days for this to get, kick in. And when we're going to see shoot blight is when we get our typical May temperatures in the latter half of the month. So better prepare now, getting the products on the trees now in preparation for it to work in 10 to 14 days. So your shoots are hardened off and you're limiting any potential shoot blight. So, uh, so that's the take-home message for fire blight. So just to recap, if you're still in bloom late next week, put on a streptomycin spray. So we're talking from May 11th, 12th through the weekend. So be thinking of a streptomycin or oxytetracycline spray on anything that potentially was significant bloom. Um, and then right now, I would start incorporating proexidiome or calcium uh, into your whatever spray you're putting on right now to limit potential shoot blight that could pop up in the latter half of the month.
Okay, so we got fire blights out of the way. So continue with Apple. Let's talk about Apple scab and Marcinina blotch. These are both foliar diseases where the spores overwinter in the leaves. We are on the downside of Apple scab of as far as the maximum or uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Uh, we are on the downside of the number of available mature spores coming from those overwintering leaves. So we peaked, we probably peaked two weeks ago, um, not this, yeah, two weeks ago. And now it's like precipitously dropping off. So apple scab, we're getting on the downside of apple scab. We had two really good infection events um, in the middle of April and then the following weekend. Um, but we did have, I would say this last week, uh, it was a pretty, probably another decent scab infection period. We had multiple days, like four, five, six days, depending on where you were located. And even though it was cold, there was enough wetness hours to support the infection. So the colder it is, the more hours of leaf wetness you need. And we had that this week. So this could have been another potential infection event for apple scab. Not super severe because the number of spores weren't there, but an infection event nonetheless. But the infection event I'm most concerned about is Marcinina blotch because once apple scab spores drop off, Marcinina picks up and we are in the primary period infection for Marcinina. So Marcinina likes warmer weather, but like apple scab, the colder it is, the more leaf wetness hours you can get in the infection. And we had that this week. Uh, so this probably was a pretty, pretty decent week for uh, Marcinina infection. And we're going to still be under threat of Marcinina probably through early June. So you're still going to have to be remain vigilant. What products should you be applying right now? Well, your broad spectrums, of course, your Manzate Pro Stick, preferably, or whatever your preferred Rainfast Mancozeb you want to use. Um, and your FRAC Group 3s, your FRAC Group 7s, your FRAC Group 9s. So that's your Sevia, Lunaflex, Inspire Super, Vanguard, Lunatron, Tranquility, Excalia, Tassaris, Aprovia, Fontellus, Miravis, Procure, Rally. I'm sure I missed some, but your three sevens and nines, your frac three sevens and nines. This is good for any stragglers of apple scab, and it's also excellent for your Marcinina. What not to apply, and I'm a broken record because you've probably heard me say this the last three podcasts, do not apply frac 11 right now. For two reasons. One, save your FRAC 11s for the fruit rots because FRAC 11, that's your Maravon, Luna Sensation, and Flynn Extra. That's FRAC, those are FRAC 11s. They have FRAC 11s in them. They do the best at controlling fruit rots during the summer. Second reason is FRAC 11 does nothing for Marcinina. It does not control it. So all the more reason to hold off on your FRAC 11s. They have a place in the season, just not now. So you have you've got some good options uh, right now to control uh, to you know to control disease. If you farm organically, we've got folks that um, are growing apple trees organically. You must be spraying sulfur right now. It's an absolute must. There is no way around it. Uh, Marcinina loves the apple scab resistant variety varieties. They are not Marcinina resistant. So if you aren't spraying anything right now because of apple scab, it's like, well, my trees are resistant. I don't need to. Gone are those days. You're going to have to be being very, very um, aggressive managing Marcinina on your trees right now. Because this, just as a reminder, 
This foliar disease is extraordinarily aggressive on the leaves, a lot more aggressive than apple scab. It can cover a leaf very quickly. It can defoliate the tree very quickly. So the goal is, is to not have premature defoliation. And you can do that by really stopping the disease in its tracks right now. Uh, okay. Uh, and again, just as a gentle reminder about the dry days in between the wet days, this really wasn't a powdery mildew week. So powdery mildew is your dry weather disease. So, um, but we are probably coming up possibly on some couple dry days. So this will be pretty good for powdery mildew coming up. Temperatures from 50 to 77 degrees with a relative humidity greater than 70%. That's what powdery mildew likes. Doesn't like leaf wetness hours. Uh, as far as your stone fruit varieties that are susceptible to rusty spot, you want to be controlling it. Petal fall, shuck split, first cover, second cover. And I think a lot of folks are in shuck split or shuck fall right now. Uh, so just an FYI there. And as another reminder, cherry leaf spot, the other stone fruit that I call cherry leaf spot, the apple scab of cherries. Um, we have had great cherry leaf spot weather. So make sure your trees are covered up. Really, whatever you control for apple scab is going to work for cherry leaf spot. Um, and as far as the rest of um, peach issues, coming up is bacterial spot on peach and nectarine. So we've it's been way too cold for this, but we are getting at the point where people should be thinking about it. Probably next week because we're going to be getting into warmer temperatures, looking to be, you know, if there's any rain, it's going to be humid. So you want to be thinking of a rotational program. So your oxytetracycline, mycoshield, or fireline. Uh, rotate that with copper, a very low rate of copper. This is the low rate we're talking about is 0.5 ounces to one ounce to the acre of the metallic copper. Um, so as an example, for instance, COSI 3000, it's metallic copper is 0.3 pounds per pound of copper, of the copper product. What that translates into 0.5 ounces is 1.7 ounce of coside per acre equals 0.5 ounces of metallic copper you're putting on your tree. If you want a little more oomph, you can double that to 3.4 ounces of coside per acre. So that's just one example. Um, but over the years, I've had lots of um, articles about this, and I've always referenced what Rutgers has done as far as doctor, what Dr. Norman Lancet has done with this. He's really fine-tuned the different um, copper products as far as the amounts and such. So I'll be sure to kind of get that out soon. Uh, what else to rotate with copper and oxytetracycline? Your bacterial-based products, Serenade ASO, use that at four quarts to the acre, double nickel, two quarts to the acre regalia at two quarts to the acre. So you've got a couple options here. Just as an FYI with copper, copper is phytotoxic on leaves. However, a little bit of phytotoxicity is not going to hurt the leaves. You will get some defoliation of the older leaves over time, but as long as the shoot is still growing, you've got leaves on there, there's plenty of photosynthetic capabilities for the tree to be happy. So don't freak out if you see a little bit of spotting, a little bit of leaf fall. But do not spray copper during really wet, slow drying conditions because you'll make copper work even better. So just as a public service announcement of copper, um, be mindful of slow drying conditions because these fixed coppers that we apply, they're slow release of the copper ions. Copper ions are bound to the particle. When they land on the, on the leaf, 
and you have a wedding event, those ions are gradually released over time. If you've got constant wetness, they're released all at once. They chew up the leaves, they fall off, and then you have, you're left with what looks like a Christmas tree with no leaves on it. So just really be mindful of the slow drying conditions and also the acidity of your spray tank because copper gets hotter the more acidic the spray solution is. So make sure you've got a more neutral spray solution. So that, um, that is it for me. I think I've covered all the broad brush strokes. But right now, I think what's on everyone's mind is, is the thinning in insects. I think that's really what's at the top of everyone's mind right now. Cool. Thanks, Gary. Jim had to leave, apparently. So uh, I will have both of you, Greg and Greg and Carrie, say goodbye. Um, I think this was a good update. I think folks will appreciate it. So, all right. Say goodbye, everybody. See ya. See you. And, well, let's hope the insect will start behaving normally. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody.